Hi, I'm Zoe McEwen, Community Manager and Engagement Strategist. Welcome to the Community Champions podcast. Today, I am chatting to someone who has come from an industry I know a lot about, teaching, teaching. Um, so he is Samantha McDuta. Did I say that right, your surname? It's Samantha McMahon. Oh, McMahon. My, oh. Facebook, my Facebook surname is different because my maiden name is Dutta and I married a Scotsman, so I added a muck in front of it. Ah, <laughs> like, not, and, and yeah. <laughs> do you know what? That's actually one of the things that I was going to talk about because, uh, well, I'll let you introduce yourself, but because as teachers or a teaching background, uh, people get very nervous about kind of online and names and will people find me and will students search me? So that's really interesting. <laughs> um, so apologies. Yeah, I can see it on the on the screen now. Uh, so yes, you you introduce yourself much better than I would. I'll leave that to you. Oh well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Samantha, and I am the founder of Upgrade Your Education Business. And essentially, I help education business owners launch, grow, and scale their businesses. Um, I do it through things like one-to-one mentoring. I have the Tutors Mastermind, and I'm a tutor myself, a former teacher. I'm a tutor. In a previous life, before I was a teacher, I was also a business trainer. So I kind of put everything together and that's what I that's what I offer right now. Um, and it's interesting what you said about Facebook, because I have considered changing my name to my proper name multiple times, but it's now just become this kind of joke, if you like, within me and my friends. And so I've just kind of kept it there. And I think that's been a really interesting transition of seeing Facebook not just as a personal thing, but it's now a business thing and it's somewhere where I'm visible. So yeah, I've toyed with the idea of putting my name back to what it should be, but um, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, and I know lots of teachers that, that are exactly the same thing. So yeah, absolutely, it's it's a common thing. And um, I, I it's hard to decide if it, if it makes any difference because <laughs> a lot of what I talk about is like, you know, we should be honest and we should be ourselves and we should be transparent. But actually, we should also just be really comfortable with being online. And I am not somebody that says you have to do it this way and this is the right way and there's no, you know, there's, there's loads of ways to do it. And whatever makes you comfortable and able to share and develop your business is a good thing. So, I yeah do whatever works for you. So can I just ask, yeah, so how did you start out? Because a lot of my audience uh, are not naturals online. Um, and I was the same, you know, as a teacher, I, you don't have any of that. Don't get taught any of those skills. It's not part of your world, your job requirement at all. Um, so how did you start out? What was the the decision process to move online? Do you mean online as in on social media for yeah. marketing myself? So my decision actually stemmed from when I left teaching, I became a tutor. And honestly, I saw it as some pocket money. I really didn't realize it would be this viable career that would replace my teaching salary. I didn't even dream of that. And I needed time to decompress. So I, I took a really easy route. I signed up to some websites, not agencies, but just websites that listed my name. And something I will say, just in case there are some tutors listening, is that the landscape was very different back then. So what I did in 2017 that worked wouldn't necessarily work quite so well now. 
But I signed up to some of these websites and I got fully booked really fast. And when I say fully booked, I was working five days a week. I didn't want to work on weekends and I had no more spaces. So at that stage, I decided to move on to social media because I didn't have any pressure. I thought this is the perfect time to just explore. Now, my very first business I set up about nearly 20 years ago. It was when I was about 22. And um, back then, Facebook had only just come out. It was 2004. Facebook had only just come out. Instagram did not exist. And LinkedIn was a place where you essentially put your CV and you, you look for jobs. And so you know, I got my clients through the yellow pages and places like that. So this was a really new exploration for me from when I wore my business hat. Up to that point, I was using Facebook only. And I was just using it to keep in touch with people, reconnect with people who I haven't seen for 20 odd years and all of that. And I kind of just followed my nose. I did what felt really natural. I set up a Facebook page, not really understanding how it fit into the tapestry of marketing in general. And I posted content that I thought my followers, if you like, would be interested in. And basically, they were useful tips. If I now look back in hindsight, and I think strategically, which I wasn't, I wasn't thinking strategically at the time, essentially, what I was doing was I was giving people micro wins. So I wasn't just giving tons and tons away for free. But I was giving the micro wins, so that they got a little taster of how I can help. So that they then understood that if they wanted more, they would pay me and they would come and work with me. And that's really how I gained momentum and how I started. I tried lots of other platforms for my tuition business in general, in specific, sorry. Facebook was the one that worked. No other platform worked quite as well as Facebook did. So I stuck to it. With Upgrade Your Education Business, I'm on loads of different platforms because the nature of the way I make connections is very different. And so it makes sense. And now multiple platforms work. So I just started by following my nose and exploring. Yeah, I agree. Um, That's absolutely what you have to do. And, you know, it's the same in teaching. No one thing works for everybody in that class. You need to do lots of different things, test different things out, um, have a look at it and then go back to what feels right for you kind of thing. You mentioned small wins. Um, That's really interesting because it is something that's something I kind of talk about um in my paid group that people need to feel like they're achieving something um and seeing some rewards same as us um but what often people do is they can't stop at the they can't stop at the small win um because they like the people that they surround themselves with in their community they recognize names they've been chatting to them for ages um, and they see this space as somewhere that you grow friendships. And um, when you're running a business, it's very easy and it's definitely quicker to just help and support people and answer them and reply to them very quickly on a thread of a post. Like, I, oh, I can answer that one. I can answer that one for you really quickly. Um, but that doesn't make the best business sense. Um, because if people feel like they can just, you know, pop in and you're going to answer everything for them. Um, I talk about that being like, like the teacher doing your homework for you. Like we wouldn't do that. You can't just hand your homework in. The teacher's going to rewrite it and say, it wasn't great, but I've rewritten it. And now you've got an A. So that's fine. And, on, you know, it doesn't work like that in online 
and it well it shouldn't but I do see a lot of times um people who are trying to run a group and I think that's their version of a quick win is I'll just answer and help everybody all the time and having a space online isn't just around helping people all the time yeah I agree I think that there's a really fine balance between giving people micro wins that leads to sales essentially and training your audience to just expect things for free if you train people to expect to expect things for free it almost becomes offensive when you try and sell to them it feels uncomfortable you have changed the deal of your dynamic um, and I often liken it because I, the, the biggest struggle I find with a lot of clients of mine is they can't decide just how to find that balance. How much do I give away from for free versus holding back? And I liken it to watching the trailer for a film. The trailer for a film does show you the best bits from the film, but you un- and that helps you essentially make a decision whether you want to go and watch that film. They're not teasing you. They're not doing an aggressive sale towards you. They're just helping you make a decision. And that's how I view sales, that I'm not here to aggressively sell to you. If I'm not right for you, I would rather we didn't work together. I'm here to just help you make a decision that's right for you. Um, Because, you know, I don't think a lot of the time people aren't necessarily afraid to spend money, but they're more afraid of making the wrong decision. So you're just helping them on that journey. And and that's how I view freebies. And it's re- that concept has helped me with my podcast, with lead magnets, with what I might write on social media. And it's stopped me from being afraid of giving stuff away because I know that some of the stuff I share is stuff I share with paid clients, but I'm just showing you the highlights. I'm showing you the headlines, the trailer. If you want more, then you do have to come and work with me. And if you think about that in a realistic sense, even if I wanted to help people for free completely and I didn't want them to buy from me, I cannot replace talking on a Facebook group or a podcast episode with people actually having one-to-one sessions with me or having mastermind sessions with me. I can't replace it even if I wanted to. So in a way, I think it's very natural. And yes, it's important to think strategically, but also it's important to just think really logically and because if you think too strategically, it then becomes quite unnatural. And that shows it can feel a bit forced. It's like having forced fun. You want to have that nice blend of I'm doing things naturally, things that come naturally to me, but also I'm being really intentional about what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think if, you know, if anything, if everything comes from honesty and transparency from day one, when people join your group, if they know you run a business, sometimes people aren't clear that they're running this as the business. They are, um, because they have a fear around it, like why will people join? They make it sound like it's free tips and it's support and it's everything. Like you're going to get everything in this group. Um, and that's, that can't happen. They can't get everything in that group. Um, and you're absolutely right. I, I give, I give very little away for free. I charge small amounts for things. Um, but when I do give something away for free, I make sure that I have talked with passion about my paid services and that there's some kind of a follow up system to that. There's a reason I give it away for free because again, it's reciprocal. Like I give you this for free. But hey, don't be surprised if in two days time I come back and go, 
How was it? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? And that's the bit that people miss. They, they, you know, we could all give loads of stuff away for free, but if there's no um, strategy and passion behind it for actually, I want to help these people more. Like they wanted that free thing. Therefore, something's going on in their world um, that maybe I could help them with. So why would I not just check in and say, okay, so you watched that. Did that help? Um, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, like you say, it's not hard sell. It's just, did that work? Did that help? Um, is there anything more you need? Like I've got other stuff. Let me know. It might be that you're not ready now, but actually people that I've worked with have found that this is really useful. And it's just keeping that line of conversation open in a natural way because you genuinely are passionate about your thing and you know it's good and you know you can help people. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it, I think the struggles often come from the mindset we have around selling. I was having a conversation yesterday with a client and he said, I really want this to be value for money. And he was chucking all this stuff into this paid service. And I said, but hang on a second, value for money often translates to cheap. And also when you're chucking loads of stuff into a paid service, people physically don't have the time to consume all of that. You're overwhelming them. And I feel like we have to be unapologetic. So you know, instead of justifying things and almost acting like I'm going to work for less than minimum wage for you, look how much I'm going to I'm going to give you. I think the same applies to our marketing. And if we having if we're running something like a Facebook group, I think we can be really unapologetic in saying that essentially this is the place to come to join the community, to have conversations, to have discussions, and maybe not in so many words, but yeah, I will be selling to you as well because mm. this is a business and. I can't just sit there administering a Facebook group as a hobby. It's I, I don't have that capacity to do that. So I think that when you come from a stance where you're unapologetic about the fact that, look, I, I care about you, but I also want to make money because I have bills. Um, when you come from that stance, it becomes a lot more comfortable to say, well, yeah, I will give you this for free. But as someone asks more questions... Let me direct you to where I can really help, where we can really get to the good stuff. And I think that that can be really hard. I work predominantly with education business owners who come from a teaching background or even if they don't, they educate. So they find it really hard to not just help someone if they ask for help. And it's not just educators. A lot of us do. But you have to have a boundary, I suppose. And you know, you're applying mindset and general business principles like having strong boundaries and so on. You're just applying it to this one area. You're applying it to how you sell, how you communicate with potential clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, I I have lots of teachers in my groups um, and I know that, you know, as teachers, we're used to having, you know, the class arrive. We're not going out looking for clients. Um, and yeah, our natural instinct is to help and support people. But e- the best teachers help and support people, but don't do the homework for them. They help and support people, but it gives them the tools to then know this is the next level you'll need to access. I'm going to give you some worksheets or I'm going to give you some stuff. I'm going to give you some links. I'm going to tell you some books. They've then still got to be responsible for going away and putting in a little bit more of the effort themselves. And when they do and they come back to you and they say, well, I did all of that stuff and look, you know, this is what's happened. Then you can help them again, get to the next level. But um, unless they start putting in some action themselves, which 
we should definitely encourage them to do. They won't. You know, it's exactly the same in our Facebook group. They are like um, a group of school kids. If we don't encourage them to to do more, they will just think, well, this is it. This is everything. And I'll, I'll just I'll just soak it up. So what do you think? Um, so what's your main do you have somewhere you think now is your main community? Was there a time when you thought, um, I, I'm in too many places. I need to just focus on this one thing. This, this, this my group is, is, is it, do you do sort of metrics? What, how, how do you work out where your community is online and where you best spend your time? So the answer varies depending on which business I'm talking about. When I think about my tuition business, when I first went online, my Facebook felt very natural because I was already on there. But when I had tried other platforms and they weren't working as well as Facebook, I then tried to understand why. And I thought about the culture on Facebook. People ask for recommendations on there. People buy on there. You've got things like Facebook Marketplace. So people are already, they're not, there's this common marketing advice of go where your, where your customers are hanging out. But I think that's incomplete. You need to go where they're hanging out and are in a consumer mindset because my customers are also hanging out on Instagram and LinkedIn. But when they're on LinkedIn, they've got their work hat on. They're not a parent in that moment, but they might be when they're on Facebook. So when when I with my tuition business, I decided that was the place I was going to focus. I did set up Facebook groups and they worked very much as a secondary platform for me. They were not the hub. And mainly because of the culture there is in the tuition world where because of all of us, parents are trained to expect things for free. So I use my Facebook group as a tool to just reinforce why I might be the right fit for their child. So I would rec- I would show them videos, I'd show a lot of social proof. And that seemed to work for me, for my Facebook group. And it complemented what I was posting on my page as well. So it wasn't complete digression, but also it was quite exclusive. And I ran things like webinars every now and again to help parents with certain challenges they were facing. But with Upgrade Your Education Business, I have a much larger tapestry. I have a lot more moving parts. I've got my podcast. I've got Instagram, LinkedIn. I would say they are the places where I get the most clients. But my Facebook group, it works. it's interesting what you were saying about our tendencies as, as educators. As educators, something we also do is we often make the decision of what's best for our students rather than listening to perhaps what they need. And we're trained to do that. You know, we're at school. We follow a scheme of work. But as a business owner, there is a tendency to do that. And I use my Facebook group to listen. So rather than me deciding what they need, I get them to tell me what they need. And so for me, the Facebook group isn't necessarily the place that I want to make sales because I have other platforms for that. But it's where I find out the most about my audience. And that has transformed my business, shifting that focus, because I've had situations where a client has come off a discovery call and they, they're just unsure. They're not sure if I'm right for them. They've gone into my Facebook group. I've signaled them. And I think that's important to guide people where to go. I've signaled them to my guides where I've got some free training. There's videos of me speaking and they've watched that. They've consumed it. And I know they have because they've commented and then they've booked me. That is what made the decision that helped them make the decision. Yeah. Um, And a really, really core part of me using my Facebook group as part of my, 
I don't really like calling it a funnel, but I'll call it for the sake of using language that I know most people understand. Um, when I was using it as my funnel, I would say the most important part of that are my membership questions. I have thought really long and hard and experimented with different membership questions until I found the one that is the one. And that is where I start that first part of the conversation. And then I continue it. So I record all of the answers that people give me, all of them. And when I then create a YouTube video, I will answer one of those questions and I'll tag them. So I'm continuing that conversation. Maybe when I'm writing a welcome post, instead of using the default Facebook, let's welcome these people, I actually tailor it and I might tag them and say, you asked about this. Here is an ebook. Here is a podcast episode. And so I'm helping them immediately. And it all comes from those Facebook membership answers. Um, and also, if I say I want to develop a course or I want to develop a lead magnet or a resource, I head over there. Instead of me deciding what I think people will like, I look at their real answers and I think, okay, this particular question has come up so many times. I'm going to use that as a signal that a lot of people want to know about that. So I'll create something for it. So I use my Facebook group to really understand my audience. And that has been valuable. It's informed so many different things that I do. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of it. Um, we should definitely be listening. It's, um, it's overlooked. It's an overlooked thing in a Facebook group. People drive content, 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 more, 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 more. They'll just stop and listen. You know, they will really tell us what's going on. And, and if you listen, I mean, you need to get your group to a certain level of engagement, but once you're listening, they'll give you the next piece of content. You know, they tell you, they'll tell you, listen to what they're saying and write a post with those words in it and see who comments. Um, you also earlier, you mentioned about trailers and things like that. And, um, I get that. That's a really good, uh, description, but sometimes you watch a trailer and you think, oh, you know, they've given it all away or they've not got it right. Or, uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to love this. And, and then what you were talking about, then you, you can use your group to test stuff. You know, the, the group is a great place, even if you're not getting sales from it, put your trailer out, whatever your thing is and see if it resonates with people. If it's, you know, if it is properly tumbleweed and you've put it out quite a few times and you're sure people are seeing it, but really nobody's reacting to it, you need to re-edit. You need to change it. You need to move things around. Maybe you've given too much away in your trailer or not enough, or people haven't just connected with it. So you can use your group for those purposes too. Um, and then the the other thing is being proactive you know, most group owners aren't proactive. They aren't, they're automating a lot of stuff, which I don't do. I don't automate the entry. I read, like you, I read every single new request to my group. Um, I want to know who these people are. I want to read their answers to the questions. I want to accept them into the group. I don't automate the welcome post. I think that is really important that you start from day one, signaling, you are important to me. The connection, the relationship is important. I want to learn as much as I can about you. Um, and that's, yeah, that's starting out as you mean to go on, leading by example. This is what you can expect from me. You can expect a personal service. You can expect that I'm listening. And I'm sure that makes all the difference for what you do, Samantha. The fact that you offer from day one, like a, like a personal service, like I'm here, I see you, I'm listening. Um, 
I want to help you and support you and point the point you in the right direction. And a lot of the time people don't do that. They just they just think this group is going to work on its own. I'll put content in. People will reply. And that is just the first level. And you'll only ever stay at that level if that's where you work. If you're not genuinely interested in these people, getting a conversation going um, and how you can build that relationship together, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we had a conversation before this and something I was saying was that a really useful rule of thumb, if you like, is behave as you would in person. So if you wouldn't do that in person, then don't do it online when you're trying to establish relationships with people. And relationships are reciprocal. That's human nature. So if I'm not present and if I don't show up and if I don't pay attention when someone has taken the time to answer those membership questions, then why should they? Why why would they return that? And I think something that's also something I have found is that when you do develop that community, they understand you and you understand them. So I've recently been quite overwhelmed with work and I'm doing something about it. You know, I'm I'm hiring another VA and and all of that. And but I had I had to let some things go. Just press pause. And one of those things was my Facebook group. Now, I know that if I go in there and I say, I'm really sorry, guys, I've been really quiet, but honestly, I've been really overwhelmed and I just, you know, I just had to press pause on some things. I know that each and every one of them will not only be able to relate, they'll be like, they'll support me. I've had that with my paying clients. When I've said I'm really overwhelmed, they're like, take a break, forget about us, go and take a break. They've checked on in on me when I'm on holiday saying, I hope you're not working, you know, and these are people who are paying for my time. They should in theory, be expecting me to be a bit more present. So you you find that, you know, when you treat people, not treat people, when you recognise that behind every click and every name, there is a human being, you then realise they get it. They've got empathy. They know what position you're in. And it's okay for you to be human as well. Just because I am talking to people about how they can grow their businesses doesn't mean I've always got it sorted. And that's okay. I can not have it all sorted all the time and I can continue helping other people. Um, and some, something you talked about earlier about, um, about, you know, paying attention from day one and being paying, yeah, paying attention and making sure that people are seen and heard. I think that something, the biggest lesson I've learned with social media in general, but certainly with my Facebook group is be open to experimenting rather than taking what a Facebook guru might have say said as gospel, try it. And if it doesn't quite work, tweak it. Don't assume that just because you've tried it and it didn't work, the Facebook group is not going to work for you. Um, I, I, I learned how to use my Facebook group by experimenting. At first, I was sharing value and I was starting conversations and and then I realized, well, actually what, what people want is they want a combination of those things, but the how they're using my group is actually to make a decision about whether they want to work with me. That's how they've chosen to use my group. So who am I to change that? Who am I to force them in another direction? If that's how they want to use my group, then that's exactly what I'll f- f- facilitate. So I started from a position of, right, I'm setting up this group. I'm going to decide what I want it to do for me. But then I've made a compromise 
when I've then discovered how people want to use it and how they naturally use it. And I think there does need to be a compromise. Otherwise, I would be trying to force, I'm trying to force a square peg in a round hole. It's not what they're telling me they want. It's not how they're using it. So I can't sit there being stubborn saying, no, but but I decided I wanted to use it this way. It's just not going to match. So, and the only way I learned that was by experimenting, is by getting to know people, by not overthinking it, just trying stuff out. People are forgiving, you know, they, it doesn't matter if you post something that doesn't work, that gets zero engagement. When you post something the next day, it might get loads. No one's going to judge you. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Um, Every group has its own dynamic. Every group does its does its own thing its own way and lots of times people come to me and they want specifics how often do I post when what's the best content all of those kinds of and I'm like I I can't give you all of that all you can do is be you intuition is underrated as well in Facebook groups use your intuition what are you feeling are you feeling like you've posted too much value if you're feeling like you've posted too much value you probably have if you're feeling like they're all going quiet and you've been talking a lot about share that's probably what's happening so um but it doesn't get the thought or the recognition in the business sometimes because it's 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 like a sideline to everything else but when you stop and you give your Facebook group or your community time and you listen and you look and you react and you change stuff around um that's when good things happen it tends to be that the people I work with have just got stuck in a rut, mainly because of things that they've heard or things they see other people doing. And those other people may be well ahead of them in the journey or have other income streams and are not relying on their Facebook group in the same way. So they're seeing them do all these things. And actually, this person's not trying to make any sales through the Facebook group. They're just growing their email list and that's where they're making the sales. And so copying what they're doing is not going to work for you or they, um, you know, they're, they're, not giving enough time to this group so they're just falling into just really quick um little replies and thinking that that will be enough and then when they advertise their offer surely people will buy um but yeah that's not always the case uh and actually you're right it's about human connections and it's about conversations and if you focus on those really focus on am I chatting to people am I getting to know them how can I get to know them better um things work so yeah we're just coming to the end now is is there anything else you know for somebody starting out or advice because you have you know you do help people set up great businesses um in the tutoring industry so yeah any any last words of wisdom um well I think it's just about thinking you know, since we're on the topic of Facebook groups, it's about thinking really carefully about your starting point with Facebook groups and not putting pressure on yourself because of what you've seen. That's something I experienced. I'm I'm a member of a few different groups and people ask questions almost on a daily basis and there's loads of conversation happening. And so I use that as a metric for success or failure. So when it wasn't happening in my group, I thought I was failing. I didn't know how to replicate that. And I think that puts so much pressure on you. Whereas if you take the stance of my community is my community and they deserve to be treated like they're unique and I deserve the space to just try things out and just 
find find my way. Let's let's just find let's discover how to use this Facebook group together. I don't have to be the leader. I don't have to be the decision maker and I don't have to force you to ask questions if it's just not what comes naturally to you in this space. And I think the minute you think of that, it alleviates so much pressure. It stops you from feeling like I'm failing and it allows you to understand exactly how you can use your Facebook group as something that is really valuable. And I think a lot of what we've discussed, because I, I talk about social media marketing in general, and something we've discussed that applies everywhere is that the landscape has changed. People generally on social media are expecting relationships. On LinkedIn yesterday, I suddenly saw, um, I've seen posts actually every day this week with someone in my connections who's selling something, but I had never, I've never seen anything from them before that. And it does feel a bit stark. I don't know who they are. I have no idea how they work. Is this something I would buy? I don't know. Because they haven't done any of the groundwork in letting me get to know them. That concept applies in your group, on your page, on any platform. Um, And the last thing I will say is that learn from your own experience. So instead of always thinking as a business owner and as, as a marketer, put yourself in the shoes of the consumer and think about how you behave and how you perceive other people's content. Because if you experience it, then other people will as well. So you can learn a lot from just your experience in general as someone who consumes content and is a part of groups and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You're so right. It's like that sort of reflection and evaluation bit that you just stop, give it some conscious time and think what might be going wrong? Why don't I comment in other people's groups. If I don't comment in other people's groups, then I'm not getting people commenting in here. What is it I love in other communities? What do I see work? Would that work for me? And and making conscious decisions rather than just, I'll just put more content in. I'll just yeah. put more content in. And, and, and sometimes, as you said, we shouldn't. It's not a reflection that we're not good at our business. It's not a reflection that we're not a good tutor. We're not a good teacher. We're not whatever it is. You know, it doesn't mean... It just means we're struggling to get this Facebook group sorted because we haven't tested enough stuff and we haven't found our rhythm with it yet. It doesn't mean that our entire business is is not going to succeed. And I think sometimes people too, you know, people put too much weight on the success or not of a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe just need to back off and as you say, just give it some space a bit, try something else and come back. Yeah, I agree. Thank yeah. you. You're very Pleasure. um balanced and rounded approach to all of this <laughs> um so yeah I'll put some stuff in the notes what are your two groups called so my group is called upgrade your education business my second group is for paid members of the tutors mastermind so best place to find me is upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com you'll get links to absolutely everything whether it's my group my instagram whatever um so that's upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com and thank you for having me Zoe No problem. Nice to chat. Nice to connect. Likewise.